You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Um, between now and when we move into, our, into the venue, we're going to be looking at, and starting a series, we're in a series that we've entitled Aftermath, okay? And it's really funny, I've never actually preached on this in all my years. I've been preaching for almost, believe it or not, almost 30 years. Yes, I started when I was four. I'm kidding. <laughs> and I've never, I've never preached on, I've always preached on. A lot of us are uh, very familiar with everything that led up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Come on, he's risen, amen? We all know that. Wait, we know, we know the stories of, of the triumphal entry. We know Garden of Gethsemane. We know, we know um, the Last Supper. We, come on, we know the crucifixion. We know the resurrection. And I think sometimes we get to Easter and go, all right. And then we just, what now? Like what now? I wanna talk about what now? Because see, a lot of us don't realize is that between the, resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, there are 40 days. Someone say 40 days. There's 40 days where Jesus was appearing at different times to different disciples. And I think we need to pay attention to those 40 days because they're in scripture and they're very important. And so we got to get our heart and mind around what Jesus was doing during those 40 days. You see, because after the resurrection in those 40 days, Jesus was preparing them for what was ahead of them. Because see, soon he would be ascending to heaven and giving them the great commission. Soon he would be empowering them to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Soon he would be sending them out to turn the world upside down with the gospel. But before he could get there, he had to meet them here. Here was in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their pain, what happened to Jesus. We thought he's going to overthrow Rome. Things aren't going the way I wanted to. Jesus had to meet them there. He had to encourage their faith. He had to get them to realize that what he said all along was true. That he said, he said, if you destroy this temple, three days later, I will rebuild it. Oh, you can't rebuild a temple. But it says he was not talking about the temple that they were standing in, but the temple of his body. He said, if you were to destroy this temple three days later, I will bring it back from the grave. Defeat hell, defeat death, defeat the grave. And so Jesus has got, someone say 40 days. He's got 40 days to show proof of his resurrection. 40 days to, to, to get his disciples to realize that there's more, that it's not, it's not over. Come on, you thought it was over, like, but it's not over. See, in their mind, the last time they saw Jesus was crucified and, and put behind a, a stone in, in, a, in a grave. And, and, and now they're disheartened, they're hurting. And Jesus has got how many days? 40 days. Now, if you're Jesus, what do you do in 40 days? I mean, this is a big deal. You got to get this out. Maybe you're going to hold a press conference. <laughs> Gather everyone together, you know. See if you can get CNN and Fox to carry it. That would be incredible. And, and you're going to announce to the world, you're risen. Hey, buddy. Yeah, there you go, I'm back. Uh, maybe, maybe Jesus should call some of his, he got some influencer friends, you know, and maybe, hey, can you guys give me a little shout out on your, on the, on your Instagram feed, on your, on your TikTok? Can you just let the world know I'm back? Um, well, I mean, what would you do? You got 40 days. 
You know what Jesus does? What does Jesus do the day he defeats death in the grave? He goes for a walk. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 24, that there's two travelers that are on their way from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. Let me show it to you. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles. Someone say seven miles. Seven miles, it's important. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had just happened, everything. I mean, they're talking about triumphal entry and the millions of people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're talking about the crucifixion. I mean, they're talking about the fact that, that they had put so much hope in what they thought Jesus was going to do. And, and they're talking about all these things. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, It says, Jesus himself, in the next part, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, it's interesting. These two, at this point, who are nameless, they're walking from Jerusalem and they're walking to Emmaus. Now, Jerusalem is the place where Jesus gave his life. Jerusalem is the place where the other disciples were. Like if you wanna be in community, you're gonna be in Jerusalem because the other disciples, Jerusalem is the place, if you were listening to what Jesus had been saying the whole time about how the grave would not hold him, about how he would rise again three days later, if you were listening, you would have stayed in Jerusalem. If you believed what he said, you would have been there, but they're not there. What are they doing? They're walking away. They're walking to Emmaus. Friends, listen, they're going the wrong way. Seven miles. I bring that up because that's a commitment. Like, it's not like, hey, you wanna go on a walk real quick? Maybe we'll make it back to Jerusalem before sunset. No, seven miles, that's a commitment. Like you're all in. If Tatum says to me, honey, let's go for a walk. I say, yes. And she says, we're going seven miles. I say, no, no, I'm gonna stay home. I'm not, I'm not doing it. That's like, that's too much. I might not make it back home seven miles. She'll run it, but I won't. Like you don't accidentally do that. There's intentionality. They are, watch, committed to walking away. Committed to going the wrong way. Now, as they're walking from Jerusalem toward Emmaus, it tells us that Jesus himself shows up to walk alongside them. They don't recognize him, but Jesus is walking alongside them. What does that tell us about Jesus? Here's what it tells you, friends, is that even when you're walking the wrong way, even when you've made some bad decisions, even when you're not doing it right, even when like it's just not going the way that maybe you should make it go, that you've got a Jesus who will meet you on the road to the wrong place and spend some time with you. Like he's just not, he's just not gonna leave you. Anyone grateful that God doesn't let you get away with the stuff you try to get away with? Come on, how many times, some of you, some of you, you're like, why can't I get away with anything? I tell you why, because you got a God in heaven that loves you too much. And so these guys are walking the wrong way. But listen, the same love that drove Jesus to the cross is also the same love that drives Jesus to them in the middle of their confusion. 
in the middle of their mistakes. Some of you right now, you know the Holy Spirit of God talking to you. You're walking the wrong way. You're making mistakes. You're doing things right now that you told yourself you would never do, but here you are doing those very things. I want you to know that right there in the middle of all of that, Jesus has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is right there in your midst, ready to heal you and restore you and turn you around. Amen? He meets them on the road as they're walking. The love of Jesus that drove him to the cross is the same love of Jesus that drives him right into your moment, right now, wherever you find yourself. The Bible says he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. Some of you, you're the one. Come on, like, you feel maybe a little lost today. You're confused a little bit. Like, I want you to know that whatever way you find yourself walking, he's coming your way. Okay? Come on, he's coming your way. His grace is hunting you down. You know, there's believers in here today. I mean, you love Jesus. I want you to, I want you to recognize this. You're here today because he met you there. I'm here. Why? Because he met me there. You hear people say, people say, you know, your testimony, you know, and then this, and I'm doing that, and and then I found God. Can I help you out? You didn't find God. He found you, all right? Like, you were were running, you were lost, you were hurt, you you weren't good enough, smart enough to turn around and go find God. God was, in his grace, haunting you down the whole time. You just stopped running. That's all that happened. You just finally went, okay, God, okay. He found you. And I want you to know, friends, it's the same thing. Can I tell you even right now? Like, I'm here today because God met me there. I'm still here today because God continues to meet me there. Anytime I start, like, just I'm making decisions and I'm kind of taking things over on my own and I got my own things I'm wrestling. God says, okay, he's going to meet me there in the middle of all of it. You see, they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Emmaus, we think Emmaus might have been their hometown. Emmaus was what they were comfortable with. Emmaus was, you know, and they're just kind of, they're going home. Like, I, I don't know if I could I do this anymore, this whole, I mean, they, they go on and you'll hear it a little bit. It's been three days. Like, if anything was going to happen, it would have happened by now, but I, I'm kind of giving up on all that. I'm, I'm going to go home, and Jesus still meets them there. So listen, you've got to remember this. He's with you, Okay. I mean, he's with you when you're lost. He's with you when you're confused. He's with you when you're hurt. He, he's with you when, when things don't go according to plan. Like, he, he's with you when the world seems to be turned all upside down, all around you. Like, Jesus is with you. The Bible says in, in, in Philippians that he began a good work in you. Come on, somebody, amen? And he who began a good work will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, he's not gonna stop working on you. He's faithful to you even when you're not faithful to him. I'm telling you, he'll just keep on keeping on. Anyone grateful for that today? Amen? Like, come on. The guys are walking the wrong way and Jesus is right there with them and they don't even know it. They don't even recognize the fact that Jesus was with them. Now, it says that, it says in scripture that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. Now, you know, we could talk all day about the, the ideas, the thoughts behind, like what kept them from, from 
knowing it was Jesus? Like, was his appearance changed? Was, like, why didn't they recognize Jesus? And I, we, could, we could guess, but Scripture doesn't tell us. Maybe they were so downtrodden and their heads are down, they're walking, they're so hurt, eyes filled with tears, and they're just, they, they're not really paying attention to who's walking with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe the word kept there, maybe, maybe Jesus is actually kind of veiling himself right now in the midst of it. But here's what I do know, is I think sometimes we find ourselves in the same place. I think sometimes God is with us. God is up to something around us and we don't even see it. We don't, we don't even recognize it. Like for whatever reason, like, like we, we don't see the fact that God is actually walking right alongside me. I think God's up to more than you know, always. Like there are things God's, he's works on all ends. There are things that God is doing right now that you just have no idea of. And you just need to, you need to trust that God's got stuff you don't even realize that you can't even see right now. So they keep walking along. Jesus is there. And they start explaining to the author of life how life was supposed to work out in Jerusalem, right? And so Jesus says to them, what are you discussing as you walk along? And watch, I love this. Like they're walking, they're walking, they're walking, right? They're walking. And Jesus says, what are you, what are you discussing as you walk along? Like, like he doesn't know. And these guys, it says they stop. They're like, what? Like, this, is, this guy doesn't know. Like, this is such a big, we're gonna stop. We're not walking anymore. We're gonna stop and have this conversation with you. Um, he asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still and their faces were downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, we're gonna call him Cleo, asked him, are, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened in these days? And you gotta love Jesus. He says, uh, what things, he asked. Like if anyone knew firsthand what had happened in the last couple of days, it was Jesus. But Jesus is going, just kind of pushing them along. What things? What things? And they start explaining to the author of life how life was supposed to work out. I, I don't know if you've done this. I, I do it with the church. God, you were supposed to get us a building this long ago. And God, this was that. And God, this. And with the kids, God. And they start explaining to the author of life how life was supposed to work out. So here's what they say in, in verse 17. They go, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped. Do you see that? We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one that was gonna redeem Israel. We had hoped. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of the women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of the company went to the tomb. Peter, remember he ran to the tomb and found that it was just like the women had said. 
they had not seen Jesus. Jesus is standing right there. And they're like, we're hearing some rumors that maybe he's not there. We're so confused. They can't even see Jesus right in front of them. Why? It says they had hoped. We had hoped. You see, the disciples had hoped that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome. Rome, can you follow me for a second here on this? Rome was their biggest issue in their mind. Rome was their biggest problem. Rome, see, Rome had established rule over the Jews and, and was, had taken away a lot of their rights. It were completely indifferent to their, to their religious practices. Rome had imposed heavy taxation on them. And so if you were to interview a Jew in that day and say, what's your biggest problem? What do you think the Messiah is gonna deliver you from? They'd go Rome, because that's our biggest issue. That's our, our biggest problem. You see, every time they took to, to scripture, they would read about a conquering king who would redeem them. And so in their mind, it was just whatever tyranny they happened to be under in that moment. So they were looking, listen, for a temporal savior to deliver them from a temporal problem. And that's what they thought this king, this Messiah would do, because scripture was prophesying. But scripture also prophesied about not just a conquering king, but a suffering servant. So Isaiah chapter 53, verses five and six, it says that he was speaking of this Messiah that is to come, that he would be pierced for our transgressions, he'd be crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace would be upon him, and by his wounds we would be healed. It says that we, like sheep, had all gone astray. We, like sheep, would all walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We, we, like sheep, would go the wrong way. But each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And, and the Jews would have a hard time combining these things in their mind. How could we have a conquering king and a suffering servant? But see, what they didn't realize is that the Messiah was going to come not to just deliver them from a temporal issue. He was coming not to just establish himself as a, as a temporal king who, who um, gave them liberty over a temporal tyranny. The Messiah was coming to do far more than that. The Messiah was coming to, to de deliver them from not the tyranny of just the Romans, but the tyranny of their own sin the tyranny of everything that had separated them from God, the tyranny of everything that, they, that, that held them back from everything they were actually longing for, and that was a relationship with God. And what Jesus was doing was far bigger than a temporal thing. It was an eternal thing, a better thing, a heavenly thing, a defeating hell, death, and the grave thing, amen? That's what Jesus was coming after. See, I'm trying to get you to understand this. He was up to far more than they could ever imagine. He was aiming not to, just to overthrow the tyranny of the Romans, but to overthrow the tyranny of their own sin. Jesus was up to far more. He was up to what? More. And so Jesus says to them, how foolish are you having, and how slow are you to believe what the prophets had spoken? They knew what the prophets had spoken. They couldn't figure it out in their mind, so they just didn't believe it. They didn't believe he could be a conquering king and a suffering servant. But Jesus was up to far more. He was up to what? More. 
far more. They had hoped. They had hoped. You see, they had hoped in a temporal thing when God was up to an eternal thing. I wonder, listen, come on. I wonder what you had hoped. These guys are walking along. Well, didn't go according to plan. It's not my life's just not where I thought it would be at this point, this stage in my life. Like, like this isn't what I thought I'd be doing. This isn't this isn't where I had I had hoped. I had hoped I'd be. You see? I wonder if there's places in our life where we're currently missing out on what God is doing. Come on. The more that God is doing, because we're just so stuck in what he hasn't done. So we 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 go on and we're like, well, I haven't met the one yet. You know, I, I haven't been recognized yet. I haven't gotten the promotion yet. I, I haven't gotten the opportunity yet. God, God hasn't done this yet. God, the things I was expecting God to do, he hasn't done yet. And I'm so focused on everything he hasn't done that I thought he would do that I'm missing everything that he's actually doing right in front of me. Like I can't even see it because I'm just rehearsing everything that I'm just so bummed about. Like God, where are, listen, are you following me? Can, can you help me? Like this is where they are. Like, some of us are going, some of you are going, like, God, I, I'm praying for that, and, and I'm believing you for that. God, would you give me that? God, would you do that? But God hasn't done that. What he's done is this. Come on, what's your this? God didn't do that, he did this. And see, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that what if God is actually in this? Like, what if this is what he's actually up to? What if, what if this is what he's using to prepare you? What if, what if this is something that God's gonna redeem? What if this is something God's gonna use? Like, what if you've got a God who still works all things together for good to those who love him according to his purposes? Like, what if this is the all things he's working together for good? Can I just help you understand something? If you don't, Stop and thank God for this. Look for God in this. Believe that he can use even this. If you get stuck on all of that, you might not ever see what God wants to do with this. See, what if this is far better than anything that would have been in that? Is it possible that when plans don't go your way that God's actually got another plan? Do you think God's up in heaven? Oh, no. Oh, I don't know what to do. See, there's something about posturing yourself in the place of faith that says, okay, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. And and things didn't line up the way I thought they would. But here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of hashing all that over and mulling all that over. I'm gonna choose to believe that I still have a God who's on the throne in heaven right now. I still have a God who's above it all. Come on, we had a golf tournament. I still have a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I still have a God who loves me. I still have a God who's for me. I still, could we in those moments Dare to just believe that even when it doesn't go according to my plan, that God can use anything and will use anything to bring himself glory, that God's, man, he's up to something. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. 
Like, don't miss the blessing that's right in front of you because you're rehashing all the hurt that's behind you. Like, don't, don't miss the miracle because all you can think about is the mess. Listen, Jesus goes to messy places. He was born in a manger, for goodness sakes. Why? Because he's not afraid of the mess. I mean, you're looking for God in the miracle, and you're looking for God in, in the extraordinary. And God's going, I want to meet you in this, right here. Even in the aftermath of a very confusing week where Jesus rode in triumphantly, thinking you, he was going to overthrow Rome. Everyone thought he was going to overthrow Rome. It was go time. And all of that ends in, in death and, and crucifixion and, and, and embarrassment and, and, and in a tomb. And, and even after all of that, can God still use this? Absolutely. You see, he's Jesus who conquered the grave. And if he conquered the grave, don't you think he could conquer anything you might be facing in this today? Come on, are you with me? You just got to get your heart there to go, okay, God, what are you going to do in this? You know, that was how Paul lived. He'd be in prison. He's like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this. Why? Because God's always using this. If I allow him to use this, listen, they had hoped. They had hoped. Now their hope is dashed and they're disappointed. They had hoped. Come on. They had hoped, <laughs> and yet standing right in front of them is hope personified. Standing right in front of him is hope himself. We had hoped, and she's probably going, oh my goodness. Come on, I need you to remember, friends, don't miss this. What road are you on? Come on. Like, what road are you walking? You need to never forget that he's with you on the road. He'll meet you on that road. Even if you got off the freeway at some exit you never should have and you're feeling like you went down, you're off four buying in the middle of nowhere right now, I'm telling you right now, he's with you on the road. And if you would allow him, he could get you back to where you need it. Come on, your darn GPS system can recalculate the route. Don't you think your God in heaven can do it? Come on, amen. Like, you just got to realize he'll meet you. Now, so watch. Where are you on the road? Let's close this out. 28. As they approach the village, assuming it's Emmaus, to which they were going. Okay, it's Emmaus. Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. <laughs> I love Jesus, right? But they urge him. So get this. They're walking along with Jesus. They're talking, Jesus and all this. And, and, and they get to Emmaus. Here's Emmaus. Everybody, here's Emmaus right here, right? And Jesus is like, all right, guys, it's been great talking with you. And he's going to keep walking on, okay? Right. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Yeah, for, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now watch. And close with this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and he began to give it to them. And then, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared right from their sight. 
And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scripture to us? And they got up from where they had gone and ran back to where they should have been, Jerusalem. Amen? Now watch, now watch. Here's what I want you to see. Is that Jesus will always be where you at on the road. He will always be with you on the road. Never forget that. Never lose sight of the fact that even on your darkest day, even in your deepest confusion, even when your emotions are telling you the opposite, even, even when all seems to be lost, even when it seems that death has won, that everything's over, you have got to remember, never forget that he is with you on the road. Friends, he's with you on the road, but you've got to invite him to the table. Here we're going to keep going. They're walking along and, and they're getting ready to go in to have a meal. And, and they go, uh, Jesus, do you, they don't know it's Jesus yet. Sir, uh, do, do you think maybe, I'm just enjoying this conversation and I'm enjoying this time. With you. Do you think maybe I could invite you in? Do you think maybe I could have you, have you come, do you think maybe I could have you just come sit down with me for a little bit? Do you think maybe we can, we can go a little deeper? Do you think maybe we could have some conversation? And you see, at the table, what happens at the table? At the table, there's a closeness. If I invite you to my house to sit at my table, here's what it means. We're not just strangers. Uh, we're gonna become friends. We're gonna do some life together. We're not just gonna be strangers who met on a road and some faint memory. No, we're gonna, we're gonna keep making memories. Would you just sit down with me and let's have, let's have some closeness. You see, he's with me on the road, but I gotta invite him to the table. At the, at the table, I'm gonna open up my life. At the table, I'm, I'm letting him in. At the table, at the table, listen, close. I stop just talking about Jesus in church and I start talking to Jesus at the table. This is relationship, everybody. He's with me on the road, but see, I gotta invite him here. And it says that they were at the table that they got close enough, watch, that they finally realized it had been Jesus the whole time. You can see at the table, they were close enough, listen, to, to recognize maybe his voice, maybe, maybe his mannerisms, maybe it was something in the breaking of the bread. They never would have seen that unless they actually invited him to this moment where they could be closer. And they maybe recognize his voice. They, they see his mannerisms in the way that he breaks the bread. Maybe they were so close at the table that they actually saw the scars that were in his hands. And it wasn't until they got to the table that they realized, that they were close enough to realize that it had been Jesus the whole time. And I'm telling you, friends, listen, he's with you on the road. But there's something that you need that can only happen at the table. It's at the table you realize it's been Jesus the whole time. You see, I thought I needed that, and I, I thought I needed Rome, and I, I thought I needed this issue fixed, and I thought I needed that. And, but what I needed the whole time is this, Jesus 
See, I need you to understand that there's hope today because Jesus is with you today. You don't have to keep trying to move forward alone because Jesus is with you today. But you gotta invite him to the table. And so Christian, every day, listen, every day, you've gotta get to the table where you are actually slowing down to hear his voice, to know his mannerisms, to remember what he's done for you on the cross, to open up your eyes to the fact that Jesus is with you the whole time. Before you go walk another step on that road, I recognize the fact that he is with me right now. Christian, you've got to get to the table every single day. And believer, come on, amen. And if you're not a believer yet today, I, I wanna invite you to stop sitting at the table alone. Come on, some of you, you're just sitting at the table alone. You go to the table, you get up and you keep going about your business of the day and then you come back to the table and you've been sitting there alone. You've never been meant to do life alone. You've got a Jesus who wants to meet you at the table and walk with you on the road. But you've got to invite him. He didn't force himself. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice, I'll open the door and come in and dine with them. What's it mean? It's something about dining. It's there's a closeness. He wants to be close with you. So stop trying this on your own and invite him to the table. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on